Thank you, Brian. I really loved having the, the storytellers read our scriptures through this series. It really brings the scripture to life for me, and I'm, I'm so grateful for your willingness to do it, and all of those who've done it over the last several weeks. Well, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, these last couple of weeks is the season of back to school, isn't it? We've had students going back to school. We have college students heading on off. We even have graduates who are heading out for their first jobs. I've come across some of the parents as they are letting go and trusting their, their children as they head out on their own for the first time. And then there's the, the young college student or the newly graduate that is out on their own filled with excitement and oh, but a wee bit of fear for the journey yet unknown. I remember when I was 18, uh, I boarded a plane uh, right after graduating from high school to the mountaintops of North Carolina, where I was going to have my first job before I started uh, school. And so there I was, leaving the northern suburbs of Chicago and landing on the mountaintop of Maggie Valley, North Carolina, to a theme park called Ghost Town in the Sky. There I was going to be part of the entertainment. We had an ice show. They had a saloon show, and then in Main Street, they had a gunfighting show. Yes, yes, that summer was this young girl's version of City Slickers. And I got exposed to a whole new culture that I had never experienced before. And in this little town, there was one restaurant. And once a week, we would go down to this one restaurant to have dinner. But there was a great country western singer, Tommy Ford. And he would play the good old classic country songs. And I had really never been exposed to country music before. It really was my, my first time, and it was probably the innocence of me. But as I listened to the words, I was like, wow, some of these songs are like really personal. <laughs> you know? But they were also very painful and very, very heartbreaking in the midst of struggles. And yet some had some, some, some hope, and, and they had some... Well, some enduring perseverance, you could say. Rolling Stone magazine said this about country music. They said, what makes a great country song? It tells a story, it draws a line, and it has a twang you can feel down to the soles of your feet. Some get mad, some get weepy, and some just help you get down the road. It really does, and when you think about it, music of all genres do that. They, they tell a story. Some draw a line. Some even help us get down the road. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the life of David. Our scripture reading today from the book of Chronicles um, captures in summary the end of David's life. 
We hear that David is, is handing over his reign and the building of the new temple and he's praising God. And the scripture reminds us that, that David reigned for 40 years, which would have been a long time for a, a, a king, let alone a military king in that age. And scripture also tells us that the records of his life, of his kingdomship, is recorded in three seers, Nathan, Samuel, and Gad. And over this summer, we've been looking at those stories of David's life. We've been looking at how David lived into his call, how David uh, lived into his courage, his character, and compassion. We have, each of us, um, been inspired and challenged, I would say, to act on our call, to step into our courage, to adjust our character, and to find ways we can reach out with compassion. Well, today we're looking at how David teaches us to live into that heart Felt conviction as one who praises God. We heard it in the scripture reading today, David praising God. And when we look at the stories of David's life as they're recorded in his life, he was not just a great king, he was also a man who seriously got off track, as we have discovered, and not just once, but many times. And yet when he did, He found his way back to God, for he was a man with a heartfelt conviction for God and with God. And when we talk about the life of David, we really can't do so without spending a wee bit of time in the book of Psalms, which we've already started doing today as we've been gathering together and worshiping in Psalms. The book of Psalms is one of my favorites, and it was one of my favorite classes when I was in seminary. But it was about 10 years ago, and there is somebody wicked smart on this who serves on our staff, and I have asked him to come and answer a couple of our common questions that we have about the book of Psalms. Matt, if you want to come on up. This is Matt Hotho. Some of you have seen him in our services over the last several weeks. Uh, Matt is a newly graduate of Candler School of Theology, and he's not just passionate about connecting you into community, but he is also passionate about the book of Psalms and the Hebrew language. So as Matt and I were talking about this over the last couple of weeks, uh, the first question I had for Matt was, Matt, share with everybody who wrote the book of Psalms. Sure, definitely. That's kind of a loaded question. Um, Actually, can you go back to that slide that was up there a minute ago? I think there was uh, some Hebrew on it. Yeah, that is Psalm 23, part of it, in Hebrew, in one of the oldest manuscripts that we have. Um, But the thing I want to point out about authorship is it's kind of cool. So it starts, it's right to left, right? So that that triangle up in the top right-hand corner, that's kind of the start of the psalm. And what those first two words say is like a psalm to David or a psalm of David or maybe a psalm concerning David. It's really weird when we talk about authorship to think about when these psalms say that like they're a psalm of David, well, that preposition is kind of loose there. So that's just kind of start getting us thinking about that there are multiple voices at work in the psalms. Like, so in Psalm... Um, Psalm 51 is a great example of this. It starts off with uh, a psalm of David written right after he 
slept with Bathsheba after Nathaniel or after the prophet Nathan confronted him and that kind of thing, right? That thing that we talked about two weeks ago, that story. It starts with like that story. So you're like, oh, this is a psalm that David wrote right afterwards. And it starts off with, oh, God, have mercy on me because I have sinned. And you're like, yep, that's to- David. You got it right. You know, that's exactly what you did. Wash me with his stuff. Yep. Wash me with a little bit else, too. You know, I kind of screwed up a little bit. But then at the end, it does this really weird thing. At the end at the, of the psalm, it has the last two verses say something to the effect of, oh, God, restore the walls of Jerusalem. And once you've restored the walls of Jerusalem, then we can offer you sacrifices again. Which is really weird, because when David was king, there were totally walls around Jerusalem. So what's happening here is the story like this. Someone came in later and kind of took David's psalm and said, oh my gosh, have mercy on me too, because we as a people have really screwed up and now we've lost our city. And so they took David's psalm and applied it to themselves. And so what, what happens throughout the psalms is sort of this, there's these multiple layers of voices going on here. And so it's kind of hard to talk about authorship, but what you can say is that the psalms represent a good 400 to 500 years of the life of faith of the people of Israel. A, a good psalm that y'all might be familiar with is Psalm 137. You might not know it by number, but you might know it by this. It starts off, by the rivers of Babylon, where we laid down and where we wept when we remembered Zion. Zion. Exactly, right. Bob Marley, you might remember it from, but yeah, it's a, it's a, well-known, <laughs> it's a well-known psalm. Well, that event actually happened like 500 years after King David reigned. So within the Psalms, you have these accounts of events and these poetic accounts of events that happened well after David was king, um, but they capture this entire history of the life of the people of Israel and their relationship with God. Yes, very good point. The relationship with God, because they are over a whole span of time by a a group of the the people of Israel. And so what is it that you think um, that the Psalms, why is it such a go-to book for both Christians and Jews? Yeah, that's a great question. I know many of us have kind of found ourselves in a time of need and flipped open our Bible to the middle. Normally it's right in the middle is the book of Psalms. And uh, why do we do that? Why do we feel so compelled to do that? I, I want to offer three reasons why I think we do that. And it's because the Psalms are first person, religious, poetry. And I'm going to break each of those down. The first person part of it, right? Let's go uh, Psalm 22. You know it uh, from Jesus' words on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you far from the cries? Why are my cries far from your ears, basically? My God, my God, it's, this is first-person immediacy. It's right here. It's right here. It's um, it, it, also Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. It, it's not he leads you or he leads so-and-so besides. So, he leads me. It's very immediate. It's right here. It's, so it's first-person. You can put yourself in the eye. You can put yourself in these words much easier than you can almost anything else in the Bible. The second thing I want to say is that it's religious. I think that the religious nature of the Psalms captures us specifically as Christians, and I think it captured the Jewish people as well. And that it describes a relationship with God that is pretty uh, back and forth, kind of not always good, actually. I mean, there are times when the psalmist will call out to God, God, why am I in the pit? Why am I distant from you? Why are you leaving me here abandoned? And so there's this sort of this, this back and forth between God and the, and the person who's praying these Psalms. So it's, it's interesting, you get this religious nature to it. And the third one is this poetry. And if any of you guys fancy yourself a poet or read poetry, you know that poetry has a couple of different things. It's got metaphor, it's got imagery, um, you know, there, there is wordplay. 
in it normally. Um, and that happens in the Psalms. Believe it or not, there's a Psalm uh, 119. The, the poet, when they wrote it, it's basically like they went, they started each line with A-A-A, B-B-B, C-C-C. And they, they used the Hebrew alphabet to create this poem that has a, 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 a structure to it, kind of like we would think of with poetry today. Another cool thing with imagery that happens in the Psalms, a great example is Psalm 6. It's sort of a psalm of lament. The person's crying, they're sad. Um, this one verse kind of roughly, really rigidly could be, and my couch is flooded with water. My couch is flooded with water. Well, this one uh, scholar from Duke Divinity, Ellen Davis, translated it like this. With tears, I melt my mattress. <laughs> and it kind of captures, it actually might capture the Hebrew a bit better, but you get this idea of imagery and poetry, right? Where have we been? We could probably all remember a time when our tears melted our mattress. And we thought, oh my gosh, if only I had the words to describe it that way. So kind of like, Debbie, what you were saying about how um, you know, country music, it kind of hits you in your heart. I think the Psalms can do that too in, in a very powerful way. So those are the three things I think that make the Psalms uh, really kind of just arresting to us today. That's the first person religious poetry. With that in mind, what, what is it that we do with these um, lament and anger that we find in the Psalms? Yeah, because there is a lot of that in the Psalms. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's praise. There's mm -hmm. just outright praise, especially towards the end. There's also psalms that just kind of uh, speak about the goodness of Torah, the goodness of the law. But, yeah, there are these psalms of lament. One I mentioned already, Psalm 22. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you far from the cries of my ears? But then, as Sherilyn kind of spoke to in the call to worship, a lot of times they kind of turn back up. And there's this, but still I will praise you. Like, God, this stinks, but, but I'm still in this with you. It's you and me. We're on a team. Me and God. Go God. And, and Psalm 22 actually does that twice. It kind of has like a, I'm down in the pits, okay, God, but really, God, I mean, like, it's really bad, but okay, God, I'll praise you. <laughs> well, a really weird example of one that doesn't do that is Psalm 88. Um, and maybe some of you might go home today and read Psalm 88 and be like, dang, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like, Psalm 88, it doesn't resolve. It actually ends with, despair and darkness are now my companions. Anything else? So that's how that one ends. And you're just like, whoa, okay, I guess that's how prayer, can we pray like that? Are we allowed to pray like that? And it's a real question that I think that the, that the Psalms have to make us ask ourselves, right? And I want to offer that there are two poles of prayer sometimes that we find ourselves on. There's calling out to God, and then there's calling God out. And I think some of the anger that we find in the Psalms is someone at the end of the ropes calling God out. Why, God? Why is this like this? You said it would always be good times. And God said, I actually never promised you always good times. And the person's like, but why? So there's calling God out. And there's calling out to God. God, help me. God, I'm here. But why do I have to be here? These are those two poles of prayer that you find in the Psalms. And so I think we find those in our lives as well. Now, one of the cool things about the Psalms that, um, that's great to remember is that the Psalms happen in the context of community. While today we can go home and open up our Bibles and kind of read it by ourselves in a nice, fresh plethora of English translations, for the Jewish people, they basically read these in community, because there were only a few people in the communities that could actually read the text and could recite the text, and so they would do it in the temple together. But when there was a lament psalm, the lament that someone might offer would come within the context of community, which I think changes the way that we think about 
the lament and the anger. This isn't just someone sitting at home on their couch lamenting and, and, and having the sorrow or having this anger. It's happening in the context of community. And what happens in community so often, we see this in our families, we see, we see this with our friends, is that we can check each other's emotions. We say, well, is that sadness a day, you know, is, is that person going to harm themselves? Or are they going to do harm to somebody else? And so I want to encourage you that as you're reading the Psalms and you see these emotions that rear up in them, remember that in the context of community is how they were practiced. And it's always important to remember them in the context of community. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. You can all see why. Yes, thank you very much. I wasn't kidding when I said he was wicked smart about the book of Psalms, did I? No. No, I wasn't. You know, it was, it was in our working together on the book of Psalms that um, I really rested on the reminder of this book of Psalms is a book of poetry. It's lyrics, it's music written by a people and a community of faith who were seeking to live out a relationship with God. And, and for me, the, the lament and anger and the in the Psalms is really where I found my deeper connection with God. They became more than just poetic words for me because I found myself in the book of Psalms. I was about 30 years old and I was going through a really difficult time, probably the most difficult time of my entire life. Everything I had hoped for seemed to be falling apart was heartbroken and confused and frightened and I wasn't sure where to go and I and I remember in my living room I opened up the book of Psalms and I just began reading them hoping to find something there and there I found God and I found me I was so grateful for the the writer's honesty of anger and sorrow and pain I have to be honest with you I never thought about praying like that to God that I could just call out to God, as Matt said, and sit and rest in that moment. I also read the Psalms that had Psalms of hope and, and Psalms of promise. And I remember sitting there in the living room and that sun came down in through the window and it cast itself on the Bible. And I can't explain it, but in that moment, I was filled with God's presence and I knew that I was never alone, and I wouldn't ever be alone. And from that moment forward, those Psalms have been the go-to book for me as a source of instruction and strength, as a form of, of guidance and for wisdom. I mean, life can be wonderful, and there's, there's so much to be grateful for, but life's life. And there are times when life is going to have hurt and pain and sorrow and struck and, and, and fear. And yet in the midst of it, there have been moments of joy but of sorrow and I have been able to go to Psalms to find my spiritual center for me, this book remains a part of my life when the undesired outcomes of life don't work out or when I find myself in times of struggle or challenge. I can find a heartfelt conviction back to God as I listen to the heartfelt conviction of the writer in the book of Psalms. Psalms are the response to the story of life. 
It's the story of life of the people of Israel who are seeking a connection with God. Bono, the lead musician of U2, writes this about the Psalms. He says, the Psalter may be a font of gospel music, but for me it's in the despair that the psalmist reveals the nature of his special relationship with God. Honesty, even to the point of anger. So as we seek to live out that heartfelt conviction for God, what song do you sing? What picture might you paint or what tune might you play on the guitar of your own life? Think about today. In this moment here, what's the song of life crying out for you today? For some, it might be a time of, of thanksgiving and gratitude. But for others, it may be a time of cry for help, emotions, fear, violence, conflict. Maybe you're seeking wisdom or instruction. But together, as we come together in community, we can come with a heartfelt conviction and say, Lord, I will praise you you. The busyness of the fall season's upon us. I mean, this is like the last kind of day and weekend, right? Starting Tuesday, boom, we're all racing forward onto the holidays. School starts. Can you already feel it? It's getting ready to ramp right up. And I don't know about you, but in the busyness of life, I can get spiritually off center. And it's in the Psalms that help draw me back Connect me back to my relationship with God. And so whether you do it as a, a new daily practice or when you find yourself getting off-center, as Matt said, take the book of the Bible, just open it up right in half. There you will find the Psalms. And in there, you will hear God calling. And you might even find yourself in them, for they are the songs of a people with a conviction filled with the heart of God. In a moment, the, the worship team's going to come up, and as we collect our offering, they're going to sing a song. And that song is a reflection on words that we find in the book of Psalms. I invite you to, to meditate on those words. Listen to them. See if they ring true to you of any familiar psalms and allow them to speak to your heart. But as we close in prayer today, I'd like us to close in prayer and, and read together out loud Psalm 23. It's probably the most famous psalm that we hear recited across variety of different services. It's the one that reminds us that God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. It reminds us that even in the darkness, God is there. And it reminds us that God is our shepherd and calls us to, lead, to move beside still waters and calls to restore our soul. So, let us join together in prayer by reading the words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path for his namesake. Even though I've walked through that, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me with, with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Amen. And now, let us share together in our tithes and our offerings. <laughs> 